Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 299. My name is Brando. We got a big show for you today. Two interviews for you, Marcos Curiel from P.O.D. coming up later on as they celebrate the 20th anniversary of their album, Satellite. 20 years ago, jeez. But first, we have Rock and Roll Hall of Famer with Deep Purple. He is just a legend. Glenn Hughes, he is now with the Dead Daisies. They're going to be out on tour very soon. So, Glenn. How are you, sir? I'm good. Yourself? I'm living the dream. Where are you? If you. (laughs) <laughs> Where if you don't mind me asking? York, I'm in New York City. Oh, okay. Are you, do you come to New York often? Because obviously we're kind of in the yeah, same area. Yeah, I spend a lot of time in New York. I, I, I have a, ho- a home in LA, but I, I spend a lot of time in New York. Okay. <laughs> then let me ask, since you're going to be on the road quite soon, or I, I would have to imagine you're normally looking forward to traveling and being on the road, but with the apocalypse happening, are you still as excited? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> nobody's been able to travel for, for quite some time, as, as we all know. Mm-hmm. So, for me, it, it was, it's gearing up now to what I would consider to be the first major run of shows, so we're all very excited. Okay, so are there any any nerves or any questions, maybe, because... I don't obviously you see some bands they maybe suspend a couple shows there are ones like you know Guns N' Roses that are fighting through um, just just curious like about COVID protocols and if you have any trepidation just because it's a different world right now it is uh, it, it, the only problem uh, it's not a problem but the only um, situation we have is, is that we can't mingle with mm-hmm. anyone um as you know, the bubble is, is tight. So for us to go outside the bubble would be ridiculous. So we have to, you know, follow guidelines, if you will, and, and, and take care of one another. So that's the only difficult thing is facing us right now is we can't actually uh, mingle too much with, 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 it, with anyone. So, But in general, but in, other than that, we're excited about starting again. All right, cool. So it doesn't like affect your your pre-show ritual at all. Do you have a pre-show ritual to get ready? No, I mean they, um, you know, not really. I mean, it's just a warm up. You know, we have a, a sound check, and sometimes I think we're basically using the two of us as dressing rooms. So uh, I mean, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we just basically go on stage and just rock, really. <laughs> I like that. What about you personally? Oh, my, my, pre, my, my pre-show warm-up is the warming of the voice, which is imperative for me. How long does that take you? What's your your ritual like? 45 minutes of, of warming the voice up. Uh, it's what I do every day. Uh, what I've been doing for quite some time, it, it really helps me warm the voice. Because I've got a voice that needs to be warmed up, so it's impossible for me to just walk out 
Sure. Absolutely. Um, when was the last time you were with, because I know the, the Dead Daisies, uh, they have some consistent personnel, but sometimes there are certain members that go in and out. You know, how long have you been friends with the, the current lineup of the Dead Daisies with the guys? Uh, I know Doug, Doug Aldrich played him. Actually, uh, I've, been, I've known Doug for 25 years. Uh, uh, Doug also played in my solo band in 2015. And... Um, joined the Daisies in 2016. I joined the Dead Daisies in the summer of 2019. Yeah, so it was kind of recent. What what made that decision for someone who's as, as accomplished as, as you, really? Like, you could, um, you could sit back and just rest on your laurels, like, but you just want to go out and have fun and rock out? I, you know, I had just done a three-year uh, world tour of my music with Deep Purple. It was a, a successful tour. Mm-hmm. And when they asked me if I'd like to come on board, I, this is pre-pandemic, of course, I, I said to myself, you know, this would be an interesting scenario for me to to just step aside from my own thing and, 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 and be in a band again. I haven't been, uh, funny enough, I haven't been in that many bands in my, in my career. So I decided I would, would, would go with the guys and see what, how it worked, and, and we prepared the Holy Ground album in the summer of 2019, and we went to France in November of 2019 and made the album, and it turned out fantastic, so I think I made the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Dead Daisies' last record um, did extremely well. Is there... So that's interesting. Is there a different maybe approach or a different feeling to being a part of a band as opposed to when you're the guy? Is it maybe less pressure, more of like a like a family atmosphere? Um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I I I like if I'm gonna work with anyone. I, number one, I have to be friends with someone. I I just can't do this unless I'm really close to someone. It's impossible for me at this point. So for me, walking into this gig was a matter of, are we going to get along? Can we have breakfast together? Are we going to have fun together? And the answer to that is, yes, we, we're having great time. So that's really important to me. Cool. And a, a former guest on the show who's going to be a part of this this tour like no other is, is Don Jameson, the comedian. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, have you seen him perform live? Have you ever been a part of a rock show that included a comedian as well? No. I know Don is one of my best friends. Uh, I know of, of his career. I, I, I studied on. Uh, he's great. Uh, he's, uh, he's a perfect uh, choice to have. I'm smiling because I love Don. <clears throat> I love Don. And it's going to be a great, uh, great thing for both of us. It is, and he's really fun, and I love the aspect of it. It's not just a comedy show, but he does a, a you know rock and roll comedy show. Um, yeah, I know. I love it. Just out of curiosity, just to deviate a little bit, do you have favorite comedians of all time? I'm just curious what your sense of humor is like. Who are some of the, you know, the funniest people you've ever, you've ever seen perform, whether it be... Oh, well, you know, yeah. well, well, you know, I'm English, so, but uh, I, I grew up in England, but uh, for me, American comedy, well, you know, Richard Pryor has always been my favorite. Ooh, okay. Because um, he was just the greatest comedian from his genre and generation. But uh, in general, I, I love Richard Pryor. Okay. Well, you mentioned English. I mean, I got to imagine you're, you know, a huge Monty Python fan, or is that just... Of course. <laughs> well, who wouldn't love that? Ex- exactly. Yeah. 
sorry. As soon as you said your English, I'm like, I'm waiting for him to say Monty Python. So I needed to get that out. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I may, yeah. It was the second choice. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, what is the songwriting like with the Dead Daisies as opposed to, well, not even you say opposed to, what is the songwriting like with the Dead Daisies? Who brings for me, what uh, first? Um, they knew, I'm a, I don't know if you know, but I'm a, I'm a songwriter, first of all. Mm-hmm. People know about the voice, but I'm a songwriter, and, and they wanted me to bring my songs with me. So I brought a bunch of songs into the band, uh, which were new. Uh, the, the songwriting process for me is I write alone, and then when we got together, the guys came in and we worked. Elaborated on stuff to make it more of a collaboration, but I do bring songs in. I also write all the lyrics, so but it's one of the things. It's one of the things I love most about music is, is the songwriting. I love to I love to write songs. It's interesting that you you say you write alone and then you have other people come in. Is there any reason? For that, just to kind of get your thoughts out first, maybe, and then collaborate. Any reason why you do it well, solo first? Uh, because it's a band. Um, they want to keep. They want you to keep the collaboration. When I write for my own records, it's, I write alone. I see. Um, um, so it was a, a, a group effort. The end result was a collaboration. But I do bring the ideas of the songs, the songs in, and then we, we finish them together. Very cool. Well, speaking of, of collaboration, and you may have noticed the name of the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, where, <laughs> you know, it's a, a Guns N' Roses theme. You know, everyone and their, their mother has a rock podcast. I try to be a little, a little different. So I know you've collaborated with some of the GNR folk, the one that's coming out uh, in my head right now, the, the Kings of Chaos, when you... Uh, you've played with that band with Duff McKagan, so I'm I'm curious, sure. you know what what Guns N' Roses connections do you have in addition to to Duff? What I call the six degrees of G and R Bacon instead of you know Kevin Bacon or you, you know what I mean. Well, I got a story for you. Not many people. I I don't tell this story often. Okay. <laughs> but I was in Black Sabbath for a, a short while in 1986, mm-hmm. and my security guy come bodyguard uh, some guy that worked for me named Doug Goldstein later went on to manage Guns N' Roses mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm friendly with him so, actually <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, you know I, I met the, the Guns in 86 but um, I've known the guys forever you know of course Duff and Slash and Matt uh, and Gilby are very very close friends you know, it's funny. I haven't gotten to that part. I'm actually helping Doug Goldstein work on his autobiography currently. I've been doing that this year. And he's mentioned you, uh, but nothing, we haven't gotten to the Black Sabbath stories yet. So I, I don't know all the, the behind-the-scenes well, stuff yeah, yet. Just, just, just so you know, just, just so you know, Doug was wonderful, and he is still wonderful. I love Doug. Uh, we reached a touch base last week, actually. Um Oh. I miss him. I miss seeing him and, and sharing stuff with him. But Doug was very, very helpful to me in 1986, let me tell you. Very, I, very helpful. I, I like that. I think that, I, that what he alluded to, and I haven't gotten to the whole story yet with him, is just what we talk about a lot on this podcast, in addition to the GNR, is mental health and addiction and recovery. And I know... Um, 
Dog is is helped out some people he's worked with. Uh, oh, let me tell you, he really helped me. Well, that's that's great really? to hear. I mean, is there anything you're? I mean, if you're not comfortable sharing, is there anything uh, specific no, that maybe I mean, Doug did for you? No, you know, for me, the mid '80s was um, a period of uh, of uh, the fast lane, if you will, mm. and uh, Doug really helped me uh, keep my keep me stable and keep me, you know, together uh, in, in a period of my life where I was. Shortly after that, I, I got sober, you know. So Doug was with me through a dark period, if you will, as he's been through with many others. <laughs> yeah. But now Doug was, was very, very helpful to me. Very, very, very helpful. Well, that's great to hear. Um, any other six degrees of... I know you mentioned some of the f- people that you're friendly with, but any... Cool, uh, you know, any cool stories playing with Duff or Gilby? Is there a certain Guns N' Roses song that you like playing, you like singing more than the others? You know... When I play with them, it's you know I get asked to play these songs. It, they were they're sort of in in my in my head, you know. So it, it's not that difficult. Uh, it's just fun playing these songs with my friends. They're, they're my friends, you know. So it's always a, a, a fun moment for me to for them to uh, let me express myself uh, with their songs. Mm. Is there what about vocally though? Is there like a certain Axel song you feel that you can cover pretty well because obviously you have different style, uh, styles of singing but I'm just curious if you have uh, the most fun is there a certain song you have the most fun singing and playing along with them well it, 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 I mean Axel is it's a distinctive one of a kind vocalist um, so it, it, it I mean I'm, I'm a different singer to Axel but it's got a blues element to it you know Axel funny enough it's, it's got a blues element to his voice so it, it's fun to sing the songs, uh, you know, I think you should be mind a, 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 a great song. I mean, it's fun to sing. That's a great one. You could be mine. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm, I, I know I don't have you here forever and I appreciate the time that you're giving me. I got to Some people are excited to hear from you, my listeners. So this is a, a question from Dirk from Germany. And I know we recently spoke about Black Sabbath. So his question is, uh, Tony Iommi doesn't really tell much about that time period in his book. I would love to hear some stories about the recording of Seventh Star and Fused. Yeah. So do you have any stories about that, any of those albums? Yeah. Um, the, the story is, is this. When Tony called me to... Originally, that album was supposed to be sung by myself, Ronnie Dio, and Rob Halford, Thriller. Wow. Uh, I was the first singer to go down to the studio in Hollywood sing and the, the night I went there we we recorded two songs and the next day I came in and we, we wrote three songs in, in two days and we got on a roll we sort of kept recording and it, I, I eventually became the only singer so we moved from Hollywood to Atlanta Georgia where we finished the album uh, Tony at the time I don't know if you remember this when they were doing Live Aid so Tony was going back and forth doing Live Aid as we were in Philadelphia. So that's what I remember from that, that time. And it was a great moment for Tony and I to... I've known Tony since the late 60s. Wow. So I've been friends with Tony for most of my life, you know. But it was a great moment. Seven Star was a great album. Very cool. I mean, you just, you've accomplished so many things in your career already. A Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, 
and the fact that we still get to experience Glenn Hughes live with the Dead Daisies now is just amazing. So for those who have yet to see you with the Dead Daisies, what can they expect from a live show? Uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, energy, um, nonstop. It's a, it's a nonstop show. It's uh, a well-oiled machine already before we even do one show. We've been preparing this show, and we're ready to go. It's going to be a great, great moment. Right on. And anything else in the future? I mean, you're a busy guy. What else can we expect from Glenn Hughes, whether it's um, with the Dead Daisies or Solo? You know, Brandon, it's, it's going to be a busy year, uh, the next year for me. We are planning uh, in an uncertain time to plan, but we are planning go, going out all of next year uh, across uh, the USA again. Um, into Europe, into Asia, into South America. And yeah. uh, so we're doing a global tour, and we want to see as many people as possible, and we want to play to as many people as humanly possible. Amazing. Well, you're going to be in my neck of the woods, uh, New York City, Sony Music Hall, uh, September 20th, but uh, there are plenty of dates for September and October, so just go to thedeadeasies.com for the Like Us tour. So, Glenn, this has been an honor, and, and thank you so much for your time today and just continued My pleasure, continued success. And, and, and I love to everyone out there. I look forward to seeing you wherever you can come and see us. Right, uh, and right we look forward to, Yeah, we look forward to seeing you. You got it. Thank you so much, Glenn. You take care. Thank you, Bernard. Thank you so much. Too cool. I told Doug Goldstein what Glenn had to say about him, and that made him feel good. That did. We haven't written about it. We're going to get to the Glenn Hughes chapter. still a lot of work on the book to be done, but that's in the conversation for another time. As we move on to our next interview, Marcos Curiel, the guitarist of P.O.D. This year is the 20th anniversary of their landmark album, Satellite. They have an anniversary edition, and there are new tour dates in your area. Hey, Marcos. Brandon, good morning or afternoon, wherever you're located. (laughs) It's still the morning where I'm at. Uh, I'm in New York City. What about you? Where are you located, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm in a tour bus and I'm looking out the side of the highway here. I'm somewhere on the east coast. So, I can't tell you somewhere exactly where. Some, <laughs> somewhere along the coast. W Rutherford Rutherford 16 exit 16W. That's all I see. Oh, awesome! Well, I appreciate you taking time out for for me on the the tour bus, and obviously, so we can get right into it. You know, because you're celebrating yeah. 20 years. Of, of the album Satellite, so I don't know if I should admit this to you, Marco. I was a freshman Uh-oh. in college when this came out, so I okay. was I was 18, so I mean, I'm 30, I just turned 38, so does it feel, because it feels like yesterday to me. How does it feel 20 years of Satellite to you? Same thing, man. I mean, who, I never go too far ahead, because, you know, life's precious, you live one day at a time. But when you when when you get to something like this, you're like, wow. And then you look back, you're like, that went really fast. Uh, you know, you sit back and go, 20 years like that. You know, and it's definitely a celebration. I love that word because we are definitely celebrating uh, a record that is pivotal in our careers. I like to call it the back the back and black record, the POD back and black record. And I don't mean that in the sense of it's the same. It's just that's how pivotal. That record was for AC and ACDC. That, 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 this record is that pivotal for us, you know what I mean, in our career. 
Yeah, because obviously ACDC had a, a career beforehand, and I know there was a changing of the guard for lead singer, but with you guys, this was your fourth record, I believe, Satellite, so it took some yeah. time for you to really explode. Uh, do you, yeah. Did, did you know that? Did you think that, making that album, that it was going to be you know, the way it became? I mean, I don't think you would think, oh, 20 years from now, I'm going to be talking to Brandon about this. I'm saying, did you think it would be as successful as it would be? No, man, you, you can't. I mean, if that was the case, if I knew the future, I'd be going to every casino and playing at Lotto. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it, dude, it's amazing. Um, we, we're just, just a lot of reflecting going on. You know, you definitely feel like, wow, for, for you know, people that came out at that same time, I like to call the double lots, mm. uh, the 2000s. I'm like, look, majority of those bands aren't even around and we're still trucking along like a freight train we see trends come and go and we're still chugging man so we're, we're definitely stoked to be here and it's definitely a celebration and we we, we love playing these songs and and putting smiles on people's faces man right on so is there anything about the the album recording process of satellite anything that you remember specifically was it difficult was it easy and you know perhaps a fun story that maybe like a, something that happened by accident that worked out anything specific you remember from recording satellite you know we had just come off a record that, that sold a million albums without much radio it was mtv who, who took us under their wing and we just toured we toured a lot and uh we had a lot of momentum going we're always being a been a band that hustles and uh we just felt like we knew what we had to do. It was like, Coach, put us in. This is our time. And uh, that album kind of just had that momentum. A funny story. I won't listen. You know, I won't say any names, but okay. we were we were playing a, a couple tunes for a couple of big wigs at the at the label. And one of the bigger songs, Boom or Youth of the Nation, I can't remember what which one exactly. The head of the label came in at the time was like, Hey, by the way, um. Um, was was like, can we can we change this here to make it sound a little more like that that song? Because at the time, Crazy Town's uh, Butterfly was huge. Yeah, and uh, and they're like, can we make it sound more like that? Nothing against those guys. That was an awesome song. But I was like, no, 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 no. And my producer was like, don't say a word, because I was like, that's an insult. Like, like, what, what's he doing? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so he said he wasn't feeling it. So. We didn't change anything, and it ended up being a mega hit. And of course, he's the guy claiming that, you know, he's a big wig. I'm the reason why this is so big. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was just a funny story because we're like, this guy wanted to change it to sound more like this. And I think it was Boom. But I was like, how are you going to make Boom sound like that? They're two completely different songs. Yeah. Um, so that, we always laugh about that story all the time, man. That's funny. Yeah, that crazy, I mean, it was the song. I, I, wow, you're really bringing back their memories for me. It's it was a one hit wonder. I, you guys may not be mm -hmm. still touring if you went that route. So obviously you made the right decision there. I, I know I don't have you here forever, and you may have noticed the name of the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. So I always look yeah. for a, a, what I call six degrees of GNR Bacon. If you, you're familiar with that, Kevin Bacon, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, or yeah. so. Do you have any? Guns N' Roses connections, perhaps if you've seen any, have you seen them in concert? Are you friends with any of the guys? I'm just curious if there are any six degrees of, of GNR Bacon with you or POD. Well, I mean, 
the rock community is small. <clears throat> um, we we did weenie roast uh, back in the satellite days. Um, we were one of the the main acts in L.A. for K Rock, and I remember we were jamming, and I look over to the right, and I'm stage right, and I see the big old top hat, and my tech's all, "Hey, dude." Lash is checking you guys out, and I turned over and I was like, "Oh my goodness, right? That's awesome, right?" So that's one of the connections. The other one is I end up at a party many years later, and Slash is there, and I think I said the stupidest thing ever <laughs> because I I, I knew because he had told me, you know, I love your guys' stuff, you know, you guys are awesome, I love what you guys do, and this was back then. So I saw him a few later, you know, a few years later at a I want to say a Virgin party in LA and I go, Hey man, what's up? I, you know, POD, he goes, Hey bro. And he goes, I was so enamored with the moment that he's all, I love you guys. The stuff he said it again. And I go, I know bro. And then I, I turned around and he, someone took him, someone like distracted him, start talking to him. And I go, Oh man, I hope that didn't come off wrong. Like I know <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't meaning it like that. And it's one of those moments where he probably doesn't care, doesn't remember, but I was like, I hope he didn't take it like I was like being like an a-hole, <laughs> ignorant. Like, I know, bro. I know you do. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I do. That's it's really funny. It's, 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 a, it's a stupid little quirky thing, but hopefully that, that kind of answers that question. <laughs> no, it does. I think that's really funny, and it shows the human side of you, the fan side of you. Uh, and I'm sure, yes, yeah, Slash dude. may not remember, but you, you remember that. It's something to take with you. So I hope you get to meet him again. And, you know, uh, is he, I mean, no, let me ask this then. Is he one of, you may, you've kind of already answered it, one of your influences? Like who would be your guitar influences that kind of got you off the oh. ground? Well, I think a lot of his, I mean, most guitar players' influences are definitely the Jimmys, you know, both of them. You know, True. Hendrix and Page, and you can definitely hear the Page influence in his playing. Um, but he definitely more of a raw, like dry walk guy, distortion guy. I I lean more towards like the delay, um, but I love all of it, like a David Gilmour or from you know from Pink Floyd or The Edge from U2. Um, you know, even from the more drony dark side of like Martin Gore from Depeche Mode, like people wouldn't think that I would list him as an influence. And then, um, because, you know, Depeche was not really known for their guitar music, but the, the guitar stuff that he does lay down is brilliant. It's, it's got a very, you know, dark sound to it, you know, and um, the, the other person would, would be obviously uh, for me is Carlos Santana. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's the reason why I even played Paul Reed Smith guitars. Um, he was playing them, and it was like, a, at the time, they were, they were still really expensive guitars. At the time, it was like a Wayne's World moment, because I, I would look up the guitar center. It was like the guitar, the highest up, and it was like thousands and thousands of dollars. And I thought, dude, I will, one day I'm going to have one of those. We got our signing bonus when we signed to Atlantic, and I bought one. And when I started playing those guitars, uh, we did a video for Southtown, and the company got word, and we're like, hey, we don't really have players like you with, with this type of music. Or, you know, they were mainly jazz artists or, you know, jam, jam bands or whatever, and they're like, we think it's awesome that you're playing our guitars. And my relationship started because 
Mr. Santana was playing them. I go, dude, I want one. And it's funny, I was at a NAMM show. I'm not sure if you're familiar with NAMM. It's sure. a, a music instrument last convention. And uh, there was a bunch of us in a panel, like Tremonti, Opeth, um, guitar players, um, Dave Navarro. I was right next to Tim Mahoney from 311. And they went down and said, why do you play PRS guitars? And I straight out said, well, I'm going to be straight up. The reason I play PRS guitars is because of the man, Carlos Santana. Mm. And Tim Mahoney whispers in my ear, he goes, me too, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so that's on. pretty cool. Very cool. I appreciate you sh- sharing that story with us and Marcos. Uh, congrats! I know you got to go yeah. to your next interview. Congratulations on 20 years. I'll see you out on the road. I mean, you, you just look up POD in your area. You're going to be in my area uh, at the Paramount. So just continue success yeah. and, and thanks for your time. Hey, thank you, brother. And uh, let's uh, celebrate. Well, we're definitely celebrating uh, like 20 years, man. So I love that word. It's a celebration, bro. Celebration. You got it. Thanks, Marcos. Uh, later. Thank you, Marcos. And thanks again to Glenn Hughes as well. That does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion, episode number 299. So if you know your math, 300 episodes next. It's not going to be, despite my pathetic pleas, it's not going to be Fernando, the GNR manager. Um, I didn't think it would be. I'll I'll put out hope, maybe by episode 400. We'll see. Uh, Next episode is going to be Jerry Cantrell. I have the episode in the can, ready to go. Uh, Saying it in the can makes it sound like I have the interview in my butt. In the can is radio speak, meaning it's saved. I guess real, that thought just popped in my head as I said it. So not everybody's hip to the, the radio lingo. So I have the Jerry Cantrell interview ready to go. So be sure, wherever you listen to the podcast, keep checking for updates. You're going to see Jerry in there quite soon. And as far as future episodes, as we go into the 300s, more of your Guns N' Roses reviews. Okay, so if you want to review an upcoming Guns N' Roses show on this tour, hit me up on social media, Facebook, on the new Twitter, at the AFD Podcast, email, the AFD Show at gmail.com, or uh, if you happen to, so let's just say you listen on iHeartRadio and you can leave a comment on the episode, I will see it. So however you, you can reach me in many ways to do it, you can be on the next, well, not the next episode, because that's Jerry Cantrell, but you can be on a future episode of Appetite for Distortion. And of course, plenty more rock and roll stupid super and of course plenty more rock and roll superstars on the way. Anyway, that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When are you gonna see the future ones? Well in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. Thanks to the lame ass security, I'm going home.